Hello friends, welcome to episode 95 of the Alabama Liberal Podcast. Today we're going to be talking about the future of the past. You might look at that title and think, Alabama Liberal, you've abandoned us for months and you come back with this obscure title, we don't even know what the hell it means. It's going to be talking about history, historical battles, and how are we going to remember the past from here on out? Because the past has already happened. You think, well, that's a static event. It can't really change. It's not fluid. But you'd be surprised. I think anybody saying that may have slept through the last 20 years of cultural battle, really the last 60 years of cultural battles, because history is fluid. It's changing all the time. It's that William Faulkner quote, the past isn't dead. It's not even the past. Always surprises me about this moment we're in is that we have real and serious problems. And you would think a lot of the juice would go towards fixing a lot of things that are tripping people up. I mean, you think, oh, well, where's the passion at? Is it healthcare battles? Is it climate crisis? Is it things like that? No, it's deciding exactly what caused the Civil War 160 years ago. You know, I think we've pretty much figured out what caused it. I think we're more than familiar with the reasons, but people are still debating things from the past. And that's where a surprising amount of the energy and the drama is coming from and these sort of battles over things you'd think would have been decided quite a long time ago that I think for many people are decided. But it's kind of a clever trick by the Republicans because if they can keep us constantly debating gay rights and constantly debating social issues and things as though the country hasn't really changed on those fronts in the last 60 years, then we're not really getting to the price gouging that's going on, what some people refer to as inflation, and we're not really getting to why have we not had a major health care overhaul, even though we have the most expensive system in the world, and well, 10% of the country is getting rich off the current system. About 10% of the country works in the health care industry, and they don't want it to change, but the rest of us are suffering because of that. Climate crisis, things that are really existential threats that could absolutely in the planet if we were not to take it more seriously. Russia just put nuclear weapons in Belarus. But we're not as concerned about that as we are, does Mr. Potato Head have a penis? And I'm not saying we, like people listening to this podcast, I think a lot of people listening to this are pragmatically liberal, liberal and progressive, but pragmatic in the sense of not every single thing can be an issue of identity. Because that's where the passions of both bases are really focused on, it seems almost obscene what we see in the news and what we don't see in the news. All the time I hear somebody be like, oh, did you hear about this big story? And I actually didn't hear about it. I'm like, why was that not on Yahoo's front page? Why am I hearing about there was a person denied service because they're transgender at a McDonald's in Kansas or some story that it may be a little sad, I guess, but it's not really national news. It's not really something that I should be hearing about living in a completely different state, whereas there are national news stories that just feel like people don't care about them and they're not being reported at all. International stories, even worse. But before we get into all that, I really want to take a minute to share some positive news with you guys. Sometimes it feels that we don't take a minute to really enjoy our victories. And April, I don't know if anybody even really noticed this, but this was a terrific month for liberals and liberal causes. Trump was indicted. The first of two indictments. (laughs) We could now say, which Trump indictment are you referring to? But I haven't really talked to you guys since Alvin Bragg indicted him for the Stormy Daniels thing. Things that we've been wanting to see really for a decade, we're now seeing, oh my God, it happened twice in like a two or three month period. Aren't we lucky? DeSantis' poll numbers have pretty much collapsed. Disney has decided to start punching back at him and hurting him as much as he is. I still think DeSantis will most likely be the 2024 
Baltimore nominee, which would actually be good. That would actually be a really good outcome because he'll be so compromised from a battle with Disney, a battle with Trump, Trumpers hating his guts, just relentless attacks against him, I guess a year and a half really from this point onward. And I think that he'll come out as a nominee that almost nobody is really excited about, which will be a really terrific outcome. And Trump will run third party. Then you have Tucker Carlson was fired from Fox News. I think that was a really huge victory. Everybody was like, oh, well, he'll just go do some other show somewhere else. Well, he's gone to Twitter, which is where profiles go to die. I mean, I don't think anybody looks at it as like an upgrade that he's now gone to like the fourth most popular social media network from being the top cable news channel show. Where did most people get their news from? TV. They still get it mostly from television, especially the political news. People still watch TV. I mean, people keep saying, oh, okay, people have cut the cord. They're finished with this shit. I miss cable. I know I'm a very unpopular millennial saying that. I mean, cable still exists, but like, I wish everything was still on cable is what I'm referring to. Because this bullshit where there's like 12 different streaming services and we pay every month, it's more expensive than cable is. And I knew it would be like that because I can remember I did media in college and we used to take these classes and the professors would say, it's not fair that you have to pay for cable channels you don't use. But the a la carte model really sucks because what they've done is they've stripped cable and now they've put everything on different streaming services so that it's like a game of whack-a-mole. Oh, I would like to watch this movie, but I don't have this streaming service in this month. Maybe I'll get that streaming service next month or whatever. Nobody's going to pay for Peacock, Paramount+, Plus, Amazon Prime, Apple+, Plus, HBO Max, Showtime Anytime, Stars, whatever their streaming service is called. I forget that I have it. I've had the star streaming service because it's part of a cable package. I've had it for years and years. I forget that I have it. I'm like, oh, I wish that went on stars so I could watch it. Oh, wait, I have stars. I forgot about it. Netflix just did this password thing where now I've been thrown off of Netflix. And it's funny that I've had Netflix for years and years through password sharing. And now that I don't have access to it, I'm like, wait a minute, have I enjoyed a single one of their TV shows or movies? I can't remember if I've ever liked a single one of their things that they've produced. 10 or 12 different major streaming services that cost money. The only ones that make any money that are actually profitable are Tubi and Pluto, the free ones, the free ones with commercials. Everybody talks about Tubi. They're like, man, Tubi, that's a good business model. Now Disney's trying to do the same thing. Hulu's trying to do the same thing. They do the ad tier or whatever. You still have to pay for it, which is crazy. But Tubi's like, okay, it's free and there's commercials. And I'm like, oh, you mean cable. Basically what they're referring to, this big brilliant model is, we'll watch a movie that's been out for 15 years, but we're watching it virtually free. Oh, and there's commercials throughout and that's how we pay for the whole thing. Oh, wait, that's cable what they're referring to, the big innovation. You now have Tucker Carlson's been fired from Fox News. Rupert Murdoch was forced to pay the $800 million lawsuit to Dominion. So Fox is going to have to be a little more chastened. I don't have any illusion that they're now going to become a responsible news network. I know that's not going to happen. If they can at least get to the point where lying becomes extremely expensive for them, but they cannot go out there and blatantly say bullshit about Dominion voting machines or the big lie of stealing the election from Donald Trump. If they can't go out there and blazingly pump things that we know are not true, things that are very anti-democratic, that an election that has been audited over and over again, recounts, investigations, people looking into it, if they can't go out there and spread that, that's a huge victory. 
Okay, there's always going to be a conservative channel. If it wasn't Fox, it would be Newsmax. But if the major one, the path of least resistance, I don't even know what channel Newsmax is. I guess Republicans probably know what it is, but its viewers aren't what it is for Fox. Fox is easier for people to find. It's the big one. It's kind of the major one. So I think that as long as the biggest one is afraid of getting fucking sued for just blatantly making stuff up, I think that's a huge victory because it seeps into the culture of like, okay, we can say we think immigrants are coming over the border in hordes, but if we go and say it's a million people and we know that, then that's a lie. I think it's a careful differentiation, but I do think of it as a victory. At this point, any victory with Fox is a huge victory. So Fox is chasing. They've paid a huge fee. DeSantis has got wars on multiple fronts. Tucker Carlson's been fired. Elon Musk looks like the biggest idiot in the world for buying Twitter and basically trying to turn it into sites that have never made any money. Oh, we'll take Twitter and we'll turn it into Truth Social, which makes no money. We'll turn it into Parler, which makes no money. Getter, all those weird like conservative apps that they sound like gay pickup sites. The Proud Boys. The Proud Boys is such a strange name for an alt-right group because it really does sound like uh, something started in June to march down a gay pride parade or something like that. We're the Proud Boys. We're the Husky Men. We're the Bear Patrol. We're the Queer Patrol. We see anything queer and we're going to report it. All these weird sites like Parler and Getter and Truth Social and all this different stuff that sound like apps you use for gay hookups, they don't make any money. And advertisers don't want to be on those sites. And so only Elon Musk would say, well, I'm going to take Twitter, which he lied and said, oh, well, when I bought Twitter, it was near bankruptcy. Why did you pay $43 billion for it? If a guy told me that and I'm on the Tesla board, I'm like, how can we get him out of Tesla? Like, How can we push him out? Because if I hear that my genius visionary CEO, by his own admission, bought an asset that he said was near bankruptcy. Why in the hell did he pay $43 billion for that? And this bullshit about, oh, well, he's protecting free speech. For $43 billion, you could buy several movie studios. You could buy an actual entertainment conglomerate. It's probably what I would have done if I really was Elon Musk. You could have bought Warner Discovery. You could have bought Paramount Global. You could have bought A24. You could have bought Lionsgate. I mean, there's several great media options that you could have spent the same amount of money on and you'd have a cable channel. You'd have the broadcast affiliates. You have a movie studio. With $43 billion in a movie studio, you could make your Passion of the Christ movie, you know, every single year and pump that out and make a reliable return of profit. Something like Twitter is really a box canyon in terms of an investment because if you buy it to change it from its core constituency of of hysterical liberals. Like I'll freely admit a lot of people on Twitter are like really getting high off their own farts. That was always kind of the problem with it is a lot of the overreactions that some of the left people would do. But if you buy it to change it from that, the core demographic is going to leave. They're going to go do something else or go to a different platform or they're not going to be as active. I'm not as active. I used to go on there literally almost every day. Now it's maybe like once every two weeks or something. And every time I post something, I'm freely aware that all I'm doing is generating free content for a man I do not like, do not wish to be profiting him in any way. And it's all ignored because the algorithms have shifted away from liberal content into more conservative content. I log into my, it's all Republican politicians that I do not follow. It's Kevin McCarthy and Marjorie Taylor Greene and all these different people. It's Jim Jordan. Every single brain fart that he has is in my timeline. I'm like, I don't follow this guy. I'm not interested in what he says. I put not interested in these type of tweets over and over. That's still what's flooded the timeline. And tweets about Elon. 
every single time you put it's his top tweet is like the number one thing and then a bunch of republicans and then positive stories about him like oh he regained his title as the world's richest man as if anybody was worried about that like oh my god how humiliating the french guy that owns all the luxury brands he surpassed him for a few months and i just hope elon can get back on top these are not our kind of problems if you're the top 10 richest people on the planet earth i don't really think you have a reason to bitch and complain about anything and yet we see people do it we see the luckiest people on earth complaining the most and it is true and i'll give a token nod to republicans and say that a lot of celebrities do do that a lot of celebrities complain way too much they have no concept of what most people are going through oh it sucks my social media is full of hate i'm like my social media is full of hate alabama liberal gets told you're an idiot alabama libel you don't know what you're talking about people have been like oh you're clearly an idiot because you're from alabama other liberals think i'm a moron just because i have a southern accent and they don't take me seriously and it's a big part of the reason i've really struggled to ever get on tv or interviewed by other podcasts or guests who but they say oh your accent's too thick and people can't understand you and and that's from the people that are my friends but people that are not my friends are more like oh i hope you die and you're a race traitor you know and stuff i mean it's a lot of very very negative comments but i put up with that for free and so I'm putting up with this really for no advantage whatsoever. If I'm Demi Lovato and I'm getting paid millions of dollars to go out there and pretend I can sing, I can take a little bit of hate. I can take them calling me she instead of they. Like I can put up with that just a little bit so that I can get millions of dollars or whatever. And so I do think there's an obliviousness when celebrities are, are complaining about their lives constantly. And they say, you don't know what stress we're under. I don't think you don't know what stress we're under because we deal with the same bullshit where social media is toxic for just about anybody. I mean, your grandmother could get on there and some asshole is going to be like, you cunt. Betty White got hate on social media. Your third grade teacher gets hate on social media. So people get the negatives, but we don't get the advantages to where we can just mention a product. And then here's a check for $50,000 off of a shampoo that we just mentioned in an Instagram post. Oh, we use this. Oh, here's a certain type of bikini I'm going to use to go to the beach this summer. Here's 75000 I mean, we don't get any of that stuff. And we still go to the grocery store and we see that the food has gone up and every single item that we would have bought from two or three years ago has practically doubled. So we're getting a lot of the disadvantages. But when it comes to other people that have no concept of what other people are going through, I mean, this is the vast majority of the Republican Party. Every time the Democrats have ever done anything, and the part of the reason that the price gouging is so bad right now is if Joe Biden even so much as mentions we need to rein in the price gouging, well, socialist, socialist, they're screaming socialist if he mentions price caps, if he mentions blocking corporate mergers, that is a big part of the reason prices have gone up. There's now three or four companies in every single category where there used to be a dozen, you used to have real choices, now you don't. And that's true for almost every category of things that you could buy. And they scream socialist at him if he even attempts it kills me that I hear Republicans mention all the time Biden's inflation, Biden's inflation. And they and they even use that as an excuse in a way that really makes me sick. Somebody I know who lives in Alabama told me that they went to Hardee's to buy a biscuit. And they go, my God, your biscuits have doubled. And the woman who was there, assistant manager slash cashier, because it's Hardee's, there's not a crowd there. He's the only customer who was there. She was like, oh, well, you can blame that on Biden's inflation. Blame that on Joe Biden. And I mean, that's fucking laughable. Like this business 
that's charging whatever the hell they want to. You're not doubling something in a year and saying that that's just pure inflation. They set their own prices. They've added a zero to every single thing that they sell. And they're like, oh, well, Biden's inflation. You know, we can't do anything about that. You ask these people, but what could he do about the current inflation? And the, uh, the Keystone Pipeline, like that's the be all end all is this oil and sludge fucking junk pipeline that nobody wants. If he built that, well, then by some miracle, inflation would not be happening right now. If he'd given oil and gas companies every single thing they wanted and, of course, put no price caps on them and didn't enforce that they couldn't charge whatever they wanted to, they would miraculously not be overcharging people because we all know what great companies they are. They're not operated by greed. And, of course, that's why Warren Buffett owns billions of dollars in Chevron stock and Occidental Petroleum and all these oil and gas companies solely because they're not greedy and they're not going to charge more than they need to or whatever. And so when you get to that and say, but the Keystone Pipeline wouldn't have made any difference. Biden has talked about price caps. That's socialism. I don't support that. It really becomes kind of a joke. When it comes to the Republican Party, we're over here talking about we need universal health care. They're talking about getting rid of the inheritance tax. And they go back to the same dated dinosauric ideas. The debt ceiling fight was the same damn thing that we've seen from them from decades. A Republican gets in office and they've got all the money in the world for tax cuts. Tax cuts are the most expensive thing that we could possibly do because you're not bringing in any revenue. You're giving out $2 trillion in revenue. So you say, we want to balance the budget. Well, you clearly don't because you're giving it all away in tax cuts. We don't get jack shit for that. We get nothing for that money. Like nothing's being built, nothing's being done. People's lives aren't getting better. People who already have a shitload of money, because you're only paying taxes at the federal level if you're already wealthy enough to pay taxes at the federal level. And the more you pay is based on the more you earn. And a lot of rich people don't pay any federal taxes to begin with. So you're already looking at people who don't have a problem. And that's the only people that you want to help is people who are already doing better than everybody else. Then they take this huge windfall from a lower corporate tax rate and they use it to buy up their competitors. Because all of a sudden, now my taxes are so low, I've got a cash surplus. I own nine factories. I can now lower my prices to put the 10th factory that I don't own out of business. That factory goes out of business or I buy it. Now I own all 10 factories. Now I can double prices because you have no other choice but to go through me. So that's what tax cuts do. They actually slowly kill the economy because it's more and more wealth consolidation towards people that can afford to charge whatever the hell they want to. The debt ceiling fight, for decades, Republicans do this thing where they spend whatever they like and then Democrats get in office and all of a sudden the debt's a big problem. Oh my God, the deficit's out of control. Our debt's so outrageous. We don't have the money for this. Bill Clinton, they did this too. Barack Obama, they did this too. Joe Biden, they did this too. You can set your clock every single time a Democrat gets in office. The Tea Party didn't say shit about Bush's spending for eight years. He destroyed the debt, okay? He just blew a giant hole in the the Iraq war, the Afghanistan war, homeland security, creating an entirely new and redundant, and some people say agency that doesn't need to exist. If you were looking for fat in the federal budget, every single thing that Homeland Security does now, other agencies used to do it and probably did it better. Medicare Part D, and of course, enormous tax cuts. These are just some of the things that he was responsible for, but that wasn't a problem. Barack Obama gets elected. Six weeks later, the Tea Party forms. Before he'd even taken office, they were just so concerned about the budget and his spending. Joe Biden, they're doing the same thing too. But what was Kevin McCarthy? What was his grand plan to save money? What was one area he really didn't want to spend money on? The IRS. Now, if you're actually trying to be fiscally responsible, you want to give the IRS as much money as they can handle. For every dollar the IRS spends, they bring in $8. 
dollars. That's a true statistic. Think about it. Because the more you spend on the IRS, the more they have money to go out and audit people and bring in tax revenue. So the IRS more than pays for itself. If you wanted a balanced budget, you'd give the IRS a billion dollars, a trillion dollars, whatever they wanted to, because they could bring it back in tax revenue. And right now what they've said is we're so underfunded under Trump. And for years and years, the Republicans gutted the IRS budget. We don't have the money to audit rich people. We have the money to audit you and me, the middle class people. We don't have tax shelters and shell companies, bank accounts in the Cayman Islands. We don't have a lot of the tax stuff that they have. They can audit us. They have audited me. They've gone after me for like 200 bucks. I mean, it was crazy, you know, so they can audit somebody for 200 bucks. But when it comes to $2 billion, oh, don't have the resources to find that money and track that down. I think that's how Trump was able to commit tax fraud for so many years and seems to be under a never ending audit. I can't release my tax returns because I'm being audited for a decade straight. You're being audited. I don't know who fucking believes that at this point. But I guess you basically believe anything. But when it comes to the IRS, it was like, oh, we have to gut. Who does that help when it's saying we need the money to audit rich people? We must gut the IRS budget. We cannot have the IRS budget. That is so blatantly sucking up to the corporations that pay you and give you donations. That is blatantly giving them fellatio to just like, oh, here's a blowjob for them. Like the American people don't benefit from that at all. It's the people that give them the campaign donations, all of their big donors. That's what they really wanted was the IRS gutted. So that way they can go hide $30 billion in offshore tax havens and then their kids can inherit it and never have to work a day in their life. And then it can all go through a charitable trust, quote unquote. That's the new big thing. All the billionaires are pretending they're giving their money away in charities. Well, what charities are they? Charities that they own. And that's how they're now doing it. So instead of paying an inheritance tax or a wealth tax, they just transfer a charity that they've set up, that they control, that they own. They pass the assets into that charity and then their kids control the charity. So it's the same damn thing as giving your kid $3 billion, except now we're pretending that we're doing it through this bullshit charity we've created that the board gets 90% of the revenue and every once in a while we write a check to the Red Cross and aren't we great for avoiding the inheritance taxes. And so this thing that should have been great, which was the Gates pledge of the billionaires giving away most of their wealth to charitable contributions, it's actually, of course, been corrupted to where Warren Buffett took that pledge and he's going to give away billions of dollars. But oh wait, it's really to the charities that his kids have formed and that his kids run and that they own. And it's just another fucking tax dodge. And all the people being like, oh, Buffett's such a good man. He's talked about he's not going to give his kids any money. (sighs) Come on. Really and truly, a man whose biggest holdings are Chevron and Occidental Petroleum and junk food like Coca-Cola and Heinz Ketchup, the biggest polluters on earth with plastic bottles and oil products. Oh, all of a sudden he's going to find religion and give all of his billions away to environmental charities. They run those charities. And they don't really spend that shit on environmental causes. It's more like a museum to put in the middle of their hometown in Omaha or Bentonville, Arkansas at the Walton Kids. It's shit they care about. And it goes right back to the idea of like, we don't want to give our money to the federal government because they'll spend it on whatever they want to spend it on. And we only want our money to go to stuff that we care about that is important to us. And I think that mentality runs rampant with a lot of the Trumpers because you look at Trump and say, how on earth are people still giving this fool money. Who is still giving this fucking clown money? Like, how is he able to get donations? He's been proven a crook so many times. Tax fraud, charity fraud, university fraud, sued over a thousand times in civil court. He stiffed 
everybody who's ever worked for him. He stiffed Giuliani when he was representing him in the legal matters of the January the 6th stuff. He screwed over anybody who's ever gotten close to him. And the reports that he raised money for the so-called Stop the Steal campaign and then re-diverted it into his super PAC and then used campaign contributions for the Stormy Daniels fuck. And yet, little old ladies in Tulsa are still like, I better give Trump a hundred bucks for my social security check. What the fuck are you thinking? You bitch and whine that you have no money from inflation and you don't have any money and yet turn around and be like, oh, here's 200 bucks to the Trump campaign. What's wrong with you? You think, how stupid can somebody be? But they're still doing it. When Trump was first indicted for the Stormy Daniels thing, this is how bad it is. Somebody who told me about that indictment, they told me, oh, did you hear Trump's been indicted? And I was like, oh, for the university fraud? No, no, not for that. Oh, for the charity fraud thing? No, no, not for that. Oh, for his tax returns? No, no, not for that. I ran through six different things where I even got to Stormy Daniels. The fact that a next president can be indicted and you don't even know what it's for because there's so many goddamn scandals with him. I mean, I said documents. I said January the 6th. Stormy Daniels wasn't even in my top five. Wasn't really in my top 10. And so the fact that you could go through multiple scandals and not even know what he's been indicted for because there's so much bad. He's got more baggage than Delta Airlines. When he was indicted the first time, his poll numbers went up. And you have to think, what is wrong with you? Like, what is the matter with you? And when I see that Trump is being indicted and his poll numbers go up, you know, Al Franken has got to be sitting there thinking, can I get my fucking job back now? Like, can I go back to the Senate for the nothing that I was ousted over? And I think people do get tired of that, where the standards are just so different for Democrats and Republicans. I mean, people say, why are there still so many Republicans out there when their brand has been dog shit for 60-something years? Because it's easier. Frankly speaking, it's easier to be a Republican. You can be George Santos. You can be Marjorie Taylor green. You can get away with murder. These women in the Republican Party, these so-called Christian conservatives, has anybody noticed that they can't keep a marriage together? I don't know if you call it a win or whatever, but more good news for the Democrats in April and May, Lauren Bobart got a divorce. Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Bobart, they've both been divorced since they've entered Congress, and yet they're lecturing people on morality and what they can do and what they can't do. I'm like, you know, to be Christian conservative women, you sure can't keep a marriage together. And I wouldn't say that to somebody who wasn't obnoxious about it. Divorce happens, you know, it's not something that people can control necessarily. But when you're so obnoxious about people should do this and they should be this way and they should be following the Bible, the Bible's dead against divorce. I don't think people that are Christian, maybe they understand that passage. But when you lecture people and say gay people can't read a book at Barnes and Noble to kids because the Bible against homosexuality, it explicitly mentions divorce is wrong over and over. It is very against it. People don't follow that. They pick and choose what they want to follow. So when you have a lot of conservative women who have kids out of wedlock, they're single moms, they get divorced, and yet they want to turn around and talk about abortion, I might like, look, you don't have a leg to stand on. Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Bobart are divorced. Matt Gates is a sex offender. Trump's been divorced twice. His first indictment is paying hush money to a porn star that he had an affair with. These people are nobody to tell us how to live and what to do. There was a gay pride night at the Dodger Stadium, and conservatives went. They were trying to block the gates. They wouldn't let people in. They were protesting. I'm kind of in the silent majority, where a lot of the pride stuff, let's be honest, it's a marketing gimmick. I mean, it's nice to make people feel welcome and to kind of acknowledge people, but it is a marketing gimmick, like you are trying to sell something. So when Target has their pride displays, it's a business decision, all this pride stuff. But when you are a big enough loser to be like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go to Dodger Stadium and I'm going to protest Pride Night. And I'm going to stop people from entering. I'm going to like make a big deal about it. I mean, who thinks that way? Like, Who is that fixated on it to really care enough? And the same people who were willing to get 
pride displays yanked out of a Target store or willing to protest Budweiser for transgender, they got no problem voting for closeted gay Republican politicians. Tim Scott is running for president. He's a closeted homosexual. Lindsey Graham is another closeted homosexual. These are both of the senators from South Carolina. South Carolina, one of the most homophobic states in America, has got two gay senators representing it, two confirmed bachelors, quote unquote. Alabama, Kay Ivey is the governor, also one of the most homophobic states. I'm a live and let live kind of person. You will probably never see me advocate a ban on hardly anything when it comes to social issues. And so when I see women that are divorced, politicians that are closeted, president who's been divorced and married and had affairs and paid for abortions and everything else, Herschel Walker had paid for multiple abortions and was against abortion. When you see this over and over, this has got to be called out. They are legislating the rules for people that they don't want to follow. Matt Gates does not want to follow the social rules that he's trying to get passed through the Florida Congress. Neither does Clarence Thomas. This hypocrisy, it is important. Normally, I'm not for outing people and like saying, oh, well, you're doing this and people should know all about it. I don't really believe in doing that. But when you're trying to legislate morality for everybody else, I think it is important. And that brings us to the topic of our podcast, which is the future of the past. Now, people sometimes say, well, nothing really changes. And it's true that really human nature doesn't change that much. Colin Quinn had that that great quote where he's like, the Old Testament and the New York Post have the same stories. It's greed, it's lust, it's power, it's murdering people that are very close to you, the most likely person to kill you is still your spouse. The second most likely is a family member, people that you know very well. So human nature doesn't change, but the way that we view people's actions, that absolutely fluctuates over time. For example, this thing that I'm talking about with these pride debates and people that are kind of going back and forth about arguing about this, this debate really kind of wasn't even a debate in the 90s. The 90s is in some ways more progressive because we had abortion was legal in the entirety of the country. So the debate really has shifted for homosexuality to where George W. Bush was able to use it against John Kerry in 2004. He was able to say, oh, he'll he'll do gay marriage in 2004. When people defend Bush, by the way, when that's like, oh, he wasn't as bad as we remember. He was as bad as you remember. He was worse than you remember. So don't let Bush off the hooker. But in 2004, he used gay marriage against Kerry as a wedge to kind of drive the country out of Kerry's arms. In 2012, Barack Obama, only eight years later, was able to use it against Mitt Romney. So we saw a big shift over that to where for decades and decades, it was like you couldn't talk about it. It couldn't. But like in the movies, if you watch any movie from the 50s, they can't even make a reference to it. You'll see guys that are a little, uh, let's be generous and say flamboyant. There's no reference to them doing anything thing with another guy, literally illegal during the Hays Code for movies to talk about it. Now, people almost expect you to talk about it. There'll be a TV show with no gay characters, and there'll be all these articles written about, why are they not featured? Why are they not featured? I don't want to say too much, but like, for example, Ted Lasso, the first two seasons, there really weren't any gay characters, and I saw a lot of pushback about why are gay people being excluded from Ted Lasso. The third season, in three episodes, there's three separate gay characters, separate people who were outed, almost to the point of like, oh, we'll now make up for it. We had exclusion the first two seasons. Now we'll go in reverse. There's a woman, a main character. We've only seen her with men in the third season. She's dating a woman. And you think like, well, this is kind of a waste of time subplot for the final season where there's two guys we both kind of care about if she's in a relationship with them. Why bring in this other character? And then two gay men, which made more sense for the narrative. 
it really has shifted. And I think that's why you're seeing some of the last diehards. Like, I think you're an idiot if you care if there's a transgender woman in a Budweiser ad, but some people apparently really do. I think you're a moron if you go protest the pride displays at Target. But there's a real pushback. Ted Cruz talked about on his podcast, which I'm horrified to learn that I'm in the same profession as Ted Cruz, that we both have a podcast. When I learned that Ted Cruz had a podcast, I thought, oh my God, I'm surprised Apple hadn't crashed hosting that fucking thing. He's got one, apparently, and he was talking about a lot of the campaigns are orchestrated because they're trying to scare companies into not being, he calls it woke. He's referring to homophobic. (laughs) That's what he's really talking about. It's hit Disney really hard, by the way. Disney's one of the most openly gay companies there is. They've been much more progressive on gay issues than they have racial issues, and that includes their corporate headquarters. A lot of people are gay and very powerful within the Disney Corporation. Not that many people that are black and powerful within the Disney Corporation, okay? That's just the sad reality. They've been very out front, and now they're being punished. I remember last year, the movie Lightyear, there was two women that kissed or something, and no parents wanted to bring their kids to see the movie Lightyear. They all went to see Minions instead. I don't know if that's actually true, but that's how conservatives framed it as. Lightyear was too woke, so they said all the parents were going to see Minions Rise of Gru, which is a really shitty movie, by the way. That movie's not good. There were grown men who were like, oh, down with woke year and all this shit. I thought, how can you be a grown man? How do you be 30, 40 years old and celebrating a kid's movie flopping because it has a kiss you don't like or something like that in it? Then to be cheering on this other movie, which Rise of Gru has a lot of Chinese elements or whatever. Like They don't even realize like it's a pro-China movie that was made to be released in the China market. Lightyear can't get released in China because gay content can't be released there. Rise of Gru can be because there's a positive Chinese character and there's a lot of allusions to Chinese culture and the Chinese zodiac and things like that. And so I'm like, a lot of shit that they're cheering on, they don't realize it's not even for them. It's actually so a movie can play in China where they have similar cultural sensibilities. So you tell them, like, oh, actually, you're an unwitting handmaiden of China. What the fuck? You know, <laughs> they don't like that. But that's exactly what they're doing because a lot of the stuff they don't like is literally edited out of movies in China. They will not play there if that's in it. Think of that as you will. You know, the so-called free speech, anti-censorship Republicans want to make American media the same as Chinese media in that everything is edited and sanitized and everything's basically G-rated and nothing's ever mentioned that makes them uncomfortable. Think about that the next time they try to give you some bullshit about being for free speech. I mean, I would look at these debates and think, my God, how can some people be so focused this to where, like, what's going on? Why is this so important? And why is it so different for men? and women. I kind of want to do a deep dive on this for about 10 minutes because I've never really expressly talked about this. We make allusions to homophobia and anti-gay laws and things, but I've never kind of gone a little bit deeper on it. A lot of what people think I don't really believe is true to where people say like, oh, the patriarchy, this is another patriarchal thing. But if you think about it, why is female sexuality and male sexuality, why is it treated so differently? For example, in Hollywood, almost every actress under 45 says they're queer. I don't know if anybody has noticed this extreme pattern. A lot of the black female actresses, it's tough to find one that's not bisexual or gay. Janelle Monet, Tessa Thompson, Amanda Lestenberg, Kersey Clemens, Alexandra Shipp, Rutina Wesley. Rutina Wesley was literally married to a white man, and I had to use her photos because there's so few, like, 
black women and white men, celebrities that are married, you know, we know like all six of them and use their photos for collages. Or, and then she divorced that guy and married a woman instead. And I'm like, damn, you know, that guy's probably thinking this is bullshit. So there's so few that you kind of become protective of them. Like if people talk shit about Serena Williams and her husband, I'm like, you shut the fuck up. You'll even defend Harry and Megan. You feel that need to kind of defend them because there's so few and they're under such attack or whatever. There's way more black women in Hollywood that are gay than are married to white guys or interracially married or whatever in terms of the actresses. But you look at that and now it's like routine. Every couple of weeks, an actress will come out as gay and say, I'm queer or whatever. And everybody's like, oh, okay, that's great. She should play Spider-Woman. But the male actors, you don't see that at all. Like if Tom Holland came out and was like, I'm queer, I'm bisexual or whatever. I think, I don't know. I feel like people would look at it as like, oh, he's limited his appeal. If Zendaya does it, they go, we need to promote this. And so you think, the society was as patriarchal as people say that it is. If it was purely about men controlling women, which I do think there's a current of that, but if it played as much a role in the U.S. as it could, wouldn't it then be the opposite if you think about it? If it's solely about like women are there to please men, lesbians don't please men. Men are literally cut out of the equation. Like if two women are together, that literally excludes a man from that process. Having 25%, because I've seen it as high as 25% of Generation Z, women say that they're queer. Having less than, I think it's less than 10% of Gen Z men say the same. That's a pretty big gap at a time when sex rates are already as low as they've ever been. As long as they've been recording sex rates, they've never seen couples as unmotivated to have sex and single people as unmotivated to have sex. So you look at it and think men already can't get laid, especially men. It's really worse for them, as I'm sure you can imagine. <laughs> it's worse for them than it's ever been. And then to take it and say, oh, well, in Gen Z, there's a huge queer disparity to where now all the women are just going to date each other, the men will be even more left out. You might think like, well, that sounds kind of a demographic problem or like something that's going to be even worse. So you think like, if it really was about the patriarchy, why is male sexuality where two men are together or whatever, why is that so frowned upon? Lindsey Graham has literally been asked, are you gay? And he would not come out of the closet with a stick of dynamite. Women, there's an openly gay lesbian in the Senate right now. And she represents Wisconsin. That's not really like the most liberal, gay, friendly state that you could ever imagine. I mean, this isn't California that we're talking about. That's a Midwestern swing state. You kind of wouldn't think that she could be in the Senate and then it'd be just no big deal whatsoever. Like nobody really cares or whatever. And that's a great thing. I'm not saying that that shouldn't be the case, but like she's out, she's been reelected. Nobody seems to care. She's serving with Ron Johnson. <laughs> you know, like that's who she's serving with in the Senate. And you kind of think, how does that juxtaposition work where just nobody cares whatsoever. And then with Pete Buttigieg, they lose their fucking minds. I mean, people are attacking this guy constantly. So what is with the discrepancy? I think part of it is because, and this does feed into the patriarchy, to where with women, I think because they don't keep the same last name and the kids don't keep the same last name, for them, it's not as big a deal as it is for men. I think that's what's boiling it down as to where when a man chooses to marry another man and not have kids, the way some people view it is that their bloodline is ending. It is the end of their bloodline, their family name, all that stuff. Because for so long, your name was passed down father to son, father to son, property, your money, your genetics, all that stuff. With women, I think because they historically don't keep their last name and the kids don't have their last name, I think people kind of don't care as much or whatever. It's like if that extinguishes itself, well, at least they found happiness. Like if Ellen and Portia get together, it's like, ah, oh, well, two blonde women who look like they could be sisters. There's nothing gross about that. Have at it, guys. Like enjoy your life, you know, have a good time. But when it's two men, 
that because of the way that property and society and all that stuff's been passed down, titles or whatever, you are looking at the extinguishing of a bloodline. And I think that's why it's treated so differently and why it's, there's such a negative reaction towards it from especially conservatives and especially Republicans who still kind of uphold that idea of, I want my grandkids to have my last name. I want property to flow in this certain line. I think a lot of Republican families, they still view it as the boy takes over the family business or carries on the traditions. Because of that, I think that's what's causing a big part of the difference, really, is that homosexuality is viewed as an existential threat on the male side because it's extinguishing something that's been around for centuries. Like, for me to be doing this podcast, my dad had to have me, my granddad had to have me, my great-grandfather had to have me or whatever because I have their last name. So it had to be generations of people coming together, pass that on to me. And then if I'm let's say gay, or I date Pete Buttigieg, or I I decide not to have any kids at all, it stops. I'm not saying that I believe this necessarily, but I think when you look at why this is such a, a thing that people are so fixated on, like why do they not want gay teachers in Florida to even mention that they're gay? Why do they want to yank out books that they say normalize homosexuality? Why is it so bad to normalize it? Why do they look at it as like, oh, if we have a book where two penguins are kissing and they're both men or whatever, this book's got to be burned. Like, why does it bother them so bad if it was normalized? I think that's the reason. Just like with the shit that interracial couples face and that they go through and that people attack us, you know, for being in interracial couples and having kids or whatever. It's also a bloodline thing. I saw where there was a picture of like a white guy and a black woman kissing. And then one of the comments was some alt-right white doofus who was like, oh, that dude's ruining his bloodline, which that kind of goes back to this idea of white supremacy and that white people are superior and they don't want to mix the races. And that's why you do the one drop rule and like, oh, there it's quality control and all that shit. All that shit is so toxic and so negative, but it probably comes from the fact that a few centuries ago, every single time that two races met, something bad happened. Like there would be a war or there would be a genocide. So racism has kind of this biological imperative. When two races would meet, white people would enslave black people or there would be a genocide. Like Asians, when they were going to Europe, they were killing everybody. Muhammad at one point had colonized Spain. He was able to get a real foothold into Europe. The story of human history, colonization, slavery, genocide, it's pretty negative when two cultures would meet. And it was like that for a millennium. It hasn't been like that for about a hundred years. And that's why liberals don't view it that way anymore. A liberal like me is like, no, I want to interracially date. And that's ridiculous to be afraid of people that are a different race. But conservatives, because by definition, a conservative is holding on to the past. They are, they are more traditional by definition. They are not changing and embracing progress. That's why they still view a lot of these things as so negative and why they've been so reluctant to change on them. There's a lot of positive signs of life. I think most people are becoming more socially liberal every single year. As much as it sucks to see people pushing against gay content so ferociously, it's undeniable that there's more of it than there ever has been. There has never been probably this much gay content produced in the media, in the history of everness. Every TV show, a lot of different movies, they're breaking through in blockbusters in a way that they never have. The blockbuster movies are kind of the last holdout because they still have to play internationally. They still have to go to China and Russia. Well, let's just say China for right now, not Russia anymore. But they still have to go internationally and play a lot of the Middle Eastern countries. They won't play these movies. So that's why you're seeing the last little bit of media resistance. But it's undeniable that things have opened up in a major way that they didn't used to before. And with marijuana, 
you see this to where when I was a kid, I mean, people treated marijuana like if you smoked one joint, you would immediately become addicted. Your life would be over. You'd be a loser. That's still kind of true in California. I have neighbors that all they do is smoke weed all day. Like six times a day, I can smell weed. I went to a grocery store at 9 a.m. a few days ago, 9 a.m., two separate cars were parked on opposite sides. This is not a big parking lot. The parking lot was not very big at all. On two separate sides of the parking lot, over the course of about five rows, I could smell two separate cars where they're sitting in their car smoking a joint. 9 a.m., let me go to the grocery store right when it opens and be smoking a joint in my car sitting there. Who starts the day that way to where they can't even wait till they get home in five minutes or, or they couldn't have done it 10 minutes earlier? Or maybe they did do it 10 minutes earlier when they first woke up, but they still have to do it again because that's how many times they do it. So I do think it's more addictive than people probably let on to where people say, oh, it's not addictive. I smoke weed every single day, but it's not addictive. But yet it's good that it's opened up the country to where nobody really seems to care that much anymore. Like I was looking at a chart of the states where marijuana is legal. I thought I was going to look at that chart and it was going to be maybe half the states it's legal. It's nearly all of them either have medical marijuana or it's been decriminalized or it's just fully legal. There was only four states, Idaho, Wyoming, South Carolina and Kansas, where marijuana is still fully illegal. There's more states where lottery tickets are more fully illegal. Five states, and as you know, Alabama is one of them, do not sell lottery tickets. Only four states do not have either medical marijuana or decriminalized marijuana. It was quite confusing because like Minnesota, it's not fully legal. They have decriminalization and medical, but it's not fully legal to whereas Arizona, it is fully legal. Now you'd think Minnesota would be at least as cool. Arizona has been a blue state for like two minutes. You'd think Minnesota would be at least as cool as Arizona, but apparently it's not. In the Southeast, North Carolina has no medical marijuana, whereas Alabama does. You'd think North Carolina would be at least as cool as Alabama, and you'd think Georgia would be cooler than Alabama. Georgia's much more of a blue state. They only have legal CBD oil, so they don't even have legal medical marijuana. So you think, oh, wow, Alabama's cooler than Georgia. Never would have thought that. Mississippi, cooler than both of us. Mississippi, it's decriminalized and medical marijuana is legal. You wouldn't think Mississippi would be cooler than Bama, and Bama would be cooler than Georgia. So these are sort of the strange little things that you see, like, even with Kansas. Why is it fully illegal in Kansas? That's the ultimate what's the matter with Kansas. Kansas currently has a Democratic governor. It's fully illegal there, whereas Nebraska, their northern neighbor, where you think, well, Nebraska is not as cool as Kansas, it's more legal in Nebraska than it is in Kansas, which you wouldn't assume that. Even the two states where you think, okay, well, Idaho and Wyoming, it's fully illegal there because they're square and that's Mormon country. Okay, but then why is medical marijuana legal in Utah? Why would Utah, the heart of Mormon country, be cooler than Idaho and Wyoming? And illegal at the federal level. For a long time, Republicans have been like, states rights, states rights, states rights. We're now kind of getting into an era to where a lot of states are cooler than the federal government, which it never used to be that way. Throughout the 60s, we had to do everything federally because the southern states were so stuck with Jim Crow, pure regressiveness, that you had to do it federally, get anything done, and you had to pass it that way. Now, with something like marijuana, it is practically legal in almost every state and yet still a class one substance at the federal level. So how the hell does that work? The Supreme Court overturned Roe versus Wade and yet some of the reddest states in the country have voted to uphold abortion rights. They're like, oh, we're not getting rid of our abortion laws. There's been some states that have really surprised people. Kansas being one of them. Kansas is illegal to 
by any form of weed, but they protected their abortion rights, which I think the Supreme Court and those stuffy fucks that sit on that, the corrupt justices that are fine with all kind of ethical breaches, but they don't want women to legally be able to get an abortion. I think that kind of discrepancy is there. And so when it gets to the question of the future of the past, how are we going to remember these things? It's really kind of a fascinating one because there's so many cultural battles going on right now and things do shift. When I was a kid, most movies were way more pro-Confederate than they are now. Most of the movies and TV shows you'd watch, if they talked about the Civil War at all, they were way more sympathetic to the Southeast than they are today. There was a movie that came out, Gods and Generals. It's only about 20 years old. This is the most pro-Confederate movie probably more pro-Confederate than Gone with the Wind, truthfully. Gone with the Wind at least showed this war's for nothing. It's stupid. We're going to get wiped out. We shouldn't be fighting it at all. There's scenes where Rhett Butler is basically saying it is moronic to be fighting this war at all. With Gods and Generals, it's much more pro-Confederate in the sense of the lost cause and how noble we are and aren't these generals doing a great thing. This movie is only 20 years old. If you came to Hollywood today and said, oh, I want to do a script where Robert E. Lee's the hero, they'd be like, you lost your fucking mind, you know? 20 years ago, it didn't seem weird for somebody to wear a Confederate flag. I told the story before, growing up in Alabama, I never heard it called the Confederate flag. I heard it called the rebel flag and people who rocked that, not me, but people who wore it. And it was always the really redneck kids, you know, your trailer trash kids trying to look cool, but they'd be like, oh, I'm a rebel. I'm bucking the system. You know, Republicans still view themselves that way today. Conservatives still look at it that way. Like Trump is the rogue. He's being picked on by the powers that be. He can't catch a fair break. You know, they don't look at it as like, oh, Tucker Carlson is connected to a very wealthy family. His dad married into the Swansons TV dinner dynasty. The Murdoch families, their inherited wealth or whatever. And Trump is inherited wealth. Elon Musk, his father owned a diamond mine in South Africa. He benefited from apartheid. They don't look at these people who have been wealthy most of their lives. Like, oh, well, my dad only had $10 million. Now you that to make a billion dollars. I'm self-made. Well, most of us don't start out with $10 billion or we could easily become self-made, quote unquote, and turn that into 50. They don't really look at it that way. It's like, oh, we're helping inherited wealth tyrants accumulate more power and more money and they're trying to strangle the system. They look at it as like, oh, Trump, he's the underdog against the big bad woke mafia. What people refer to as woke, when they use that, they're referring as like, oh, it's everywhere. Everybody has this and we can't catch a break and we're being discriminated against. Woke is like we're in the Communist Party of China, even though the woke mentality is directly against the Communist Party in China because, as I just said, they want gay and race and all these things discussed and the Communist Party wants them edited out of Hollywood movies. An adult in China is basically treated like a toddler. They're treated like, oh, they can only watch PG shit and play with Barbies. Like, they just can't handle being an adult in the world or whatever. Like, their content is so restricted. They can't really even watch like a lot of the R-rated movies that we get here and play here and stuff. And so most Chinese movies that you watch that have been approved with the censorship board, if you watch them, you're like, is this made for kids? I mean, it's kind of PG. It's kind of goofy. The adults at like people you would see in a kid's movie. But the conservatives, they look at it as like, oh, it's us rebels. We're Rogue One against the vast empire of wokeness. Instead of the truth, civil rights activists who barely make any money, people who are not very wealthy and not very powerful at all, are desperately trying to change the conversation and change the laws to be more favorable to them. And they're being blocked at every turn by the inherited wealth oligarchy of Elon Musk and Tucker Carlson and Trump. And so if we ever catch a breakthrough, like for a couple of years of the George Floyd riots, people were 
a little bit more sensitive to race, that felt like a breakthrough for about a year and a half. If that ever comes through, the reaction from the inherited wealth is so strong. Musk is like, I must buy Twitter. And Trump's like, I must run again. And Tucker Carlson's like, I must be a Klansman. I must go out there and advocate racist shit every single night to block any progress from being made on this stuff. If we see a pride display at Target, we must protest until they take it down. We cannot have any forward movement on these issues. DeSantis must go out there and rip up the congressional maps for black districts as he did and must pass a law called the Stop Woke Act that stops private businesses from diversity and inclusion training and talking about race as he did. A lot of state governments are now trying to ban diversity, equity, and inclusion from colleges. Really and truly, you can't even believe that this is happening. This shit about, oh, universities are too woke. Well, not in Texas and Florida, where they've already taken steps to ban diversity, equity, and inclusion. Mention The fact that people could say, I'm not a racist. Why are you trying to ban diversity, equity, and inclusion if you're not a fucking racist? Why is that a top priority? You bitch about inflation. You seem to be aware that healthcare is too expensive. You're ignoring climate crisis, an actual existential threat to the planet. You seem to be ignoring Russia moving nuclear weapons into Belarus. You're ignoring real and serious problems that are actually when we're serious to ban diversity, equity, and inclusion. How can somebody who says, oh, I'm not a racist, how can you support that shit? Real and serious problems that are out there and could kill you, you're ignoring them to focus on race exclusively. Well, I have to fight the wokeness. Fight the wokeness? What the fuck are you talking about? Diversity, equity, and inclusion would mean the world is becoming more equal. Black people are getting more opportunities. More people are able to get promoted, get hired, get educated, and all that. And if you claim to be against that and to say, I want to stop this. How on earth can you say that you're not centering your life around race and yet you get pissed off when people call you a racist? It's a direct conflict. And so when it comes to the future of the past, the way that we look back at the Civil War has definitely changed. And the way that we look back at a lot of the, can't even hardly believe, but when my parents were alive and born and in this world, when they were kids, there were a lot of adults that did not want them to attend school with black people. They did not want them to go to the same school. And people were able to fight and die on that line. They were able to literally make that the center of their existence, going to buses and throwing rocks and trying to hurt kids. Little black girls just trying to go to school, people throwing rocks at them. There's people alive today that did that. And there's still alive and they're still trying in various different ways to stop any type of progress. And how will the future of the past be? Well, this could be the moment when people look and say, well, of course AI replaced us because they had to. We were so fucked up. The artificial intelligence we created to manage our taxes or make funny gifts on TikTok, that decided to come in and be like, oh yeah, you guys are you're out of control. We're going to take it from here. So just the way that Human beings evolve from monkeys. AI is evolving from us. It'll be probably better in some ways, more sophisticated in some ways, probably worse in some other ways. But people might look at this as the moment and be like, Ron DeSantis ran an entire campaign on trying to ban drag queens from reading books to kids. AI is going to shut this shit down. Like the robot overlords are going to take over and they're going to throw us out in the street because that's, that's what we deserve, quite frankly, when this is going on. We saw Donald Trump, an ex-president who tried to commit a coup We saw him get indicted for paying hush money to a porn star and his poll numbers went up. We saw him get indicted for keeping 
for stealing federal documents from the White House, loading them into pallets and boxes, taking them to Mar-a-Lago, storing them, the federal government haggling with him for almost a year and a half to get those fucking documents back. Him saying first he didn't have them, them saying, no, we know you have them. Him saying, okay, here's some of them back. They say, we know this is not all of them. Can we have all of them back? Some of them coming back torn up where they'd been destroyed. Some of them coming back taped up where he'd ripped them up and then taped them back up. If you actually read the documents timeline, which of course, the second he was indicted, it, all the noise got lost in Fox News world where it's like, oh, they're targeting Trump and this is political and Hillary did the same thing. If you read the fucking timeline of what he actually did, any of us would have already been in jail. We know celebrities have special privileges. When we see Will Smith slap Chris Rock at the Oscar stage, if I slap a cashier at Costco, I'm going to jail. People can make it about race or whatever they want to. It's about fame. If I'm a celebrity and if I'm rich, I'm going to get special treatment. What Trump's doing right now, any of us would be in fucking prison. Are loaded from the White House into moving trucks, clearly stealing them, taking them down to Mar-a-Lago, where Chinese spies have membership. They showed one thing where it was like pilots of these are in a toilet at Mar-a-Lago. A Chinese spy, he'd be like, oh, hey, use that bathroom, third one on the left. Go into that one over there. It should be some interesting magazines for you to read. It goes in there, and I mean, that's going to be the biggest information dump since Hank from Breaking Bad saw that book with Heisenberg written into it or whatever and figured out his brother-in-law was Heisenberg. I mean, that, that's the most explosive reading since that right there when you're on the toilet. FBI says, please give us these back. We know you have them. He stalls, he stalls. He says he doesn't have them. He lies. He comes back. They're ripped up over and over. This shenanigans go on for a year and a half. They finally raid Mar-a-Lago and take all these documents back. He comes out and says, oh, well, I declassified them. You don't have the power to do that. They're not your personal papers. This isn't your journal. <laughs> this is not like journal entries. If the Nixon tapes belong to the American people, Richard Nixon's personal recordings in his office where he's recording people, if that belongs to the American people, you can goddamn bet nuclear codes belong to the American people. Our strategic positions of NATO weapons, yeah, that belongs to us, not Trump. That's not his personal papers. Yes, he should belongs in jail and should be in jail for this. If it was just this, but it's not just this. Michael Cohen went to prison for the Stormy Daniels thing. If his personal attorney, if his attorney who's acting out orders on his behalf is going to go to jail for moving campaign funds, why not the guy who actually raised the campaign funds, actually authorized the lawyer to do that? If Cohen went to jail, why would Trump not be in there with him? Reality Winner went to jail, classified documents. Edward Snowden should have went to jail for stealing classified documents. Chelsea Manning went to jail. Yes, people generally go to jail for stealing classified documents and then, in his case, being given every chance in the world to give them back for a year and a half, but refusing to do that. But even those two things are not the only things. There's a rape charge, his charity, his university, his taxes, his coup. January the 6th, we haven't even really gotten to that shit yet. That's like a totally separate. He could be in jail for something totally unrelated to that and then get to the coup trial had the audacity to run for another term. And they've said, well, if you go to jail for the documents, are you going to quit the race? I'm not going anywhere. That sounds like Glenn Close and Fatal Attraction. I will not be ignored, America. We had a one-night stand with this guy. Some people got drunk and they voted for him in 2016. They never should have. They thought, oh man, that was a bad choice. But hey, you know what? One-night stands, they happen. Uh, moving on. I will not be ignored, America. I will not let you move on. Voted for him one time. And now we're stuck with this fucking clown, lost by 7 million votes in 2020, actually lost in 2016, but the Electoral College chose to seat him anyway. And now in 2024, I guess he's on track to lose,
lose by 10 million votes if he's the nominee. I don't think he will be. I think he'll lose, and that's beneficial, because then he runs third party. Then he pulls a Teddy Roosevelt, forms his version of the Bull Moose Party, which in his case will be the well-hung American Party or some bullshit like that. Big Dick Patriots or whatever he starts, some joke or whatever, and he can pull 5 to 10% away from DeSantis by doing that. I prefer that because then you get DeSantis out of the way. If Trump's the nominee this time, DeSantis is going to run again in 2028. He will run again and he could win in 2028. So I prefer him be the nominee in 2024, him be exposed as a charismaless loser who really is not ready for prime time and nobody likes him and he thinks he's Lord Emperor of Florida, but he's really just a fucking nobody. And Trump's out there calling him a nobody and calling him a bitch and scaring the shit out of him every day. DeSantis does nothing about it, looks weak as shit. Nothing kills the momentum of an authoritarian like a bigger, badder bully who slaps them in the face and they do nothing about it. DeSantis is scared of Trump. Trump will blackmail him. He will release every dirty info you've ever collected on him. He will have his horde threaten DeSantis' family. There will be death threats. DeSantis will be in a living nightmare chained to this fucking guy, Trump. And when Trump loses the nomination, will be third party. He will peel 5% of that vote off, even by some miracle if he doesn't run third party. He will still be, the race was rigged. The Republican Party rigged it. DeSantis is a globalist stooge. He's just another one of these globalists who, you know, believes in NATO and not letting Russia run rampant all over the globe. You know, uh, not an American at all. You know, America first, which means that we let Russia do whatever the fuck they want with the entire Western Hemisphere. You know, that's America first. He will spread that shit and spread conspiracies and it will kill DeSantis's momentum and there will be five to ten percent of the Republican Party if they don't vote for Trump and they don't mail in votes they'll stay home and it will be like well we'll be stuck with old man Biden for another four years but at least we don't get that globalist stooge DeSantis for eight more years that guy was corrupt he was put in power by Mitch McConnell and George Soros coming together to promote him and that will kill DeSantis for this time, which is important so that he can't run again in 2028. And you'll be killing two birds with one stone, which is why I truly prefer that. Okay, everybody, I really appreciate you listening. Thanks for coming back. Thanks for joining me. And hopefully by the next episode, we'll be getting ready for the Republican debate late August, which, you know, that'll be a barn burner. Thanks so much. Have a great summer.